Welcome back to Recruiter Insights. This is a podcast made by recruiters to give you some insight. So actually I met Evertrin in uni. He was my junior. Long story short, he started his own marketing agency to help other people to build their LinkedIn profile and also to do LinkedIn content optimizations. He has about 12 people in his company, including him and also uh, his partner. And they are all Gen Z, if I'm not mistaken. So today we are inviting Ashwin to talk about as a Gen Z boss and managing Gen Z person and also talk to other people out there who are not Gen Z. So welcome Ashwin. Hello, hello, hi Ashwin. Thanks for joining us today, Hey, hey, <laughs> thanks so much for having me. Don't oh. awkward. <laughs> you're very awkward now, you're done. <laughs> so, so Ashwin, uh, I only know about you through Shukan, and I know that you're doing like great things, and recently I think we got connected while you're LinkedIn, I can see that you're doing a lot more content creation on LinkedIn. Maybe, you know, for today's purpose, you want to share a little bit about yourself so that, you know, our audience get to know who you are and what you do. Sure. So, um, yeah, my name is, well, Ashvin. <laughs> um, I, I started, I guess, um, I actually studied engineering. So in university, I was doing mechanical engineering. Um, I was this very sciencey guy. So I was like really interested and passionate about that. Yeah. Um, but I think when it came to like, you know, after uni and then looking at what engineers who are actually in the field are doing, it just didn't excite me as much. You know, I feel like mm-hmm. the knowledge and the, you know, understanding the processes, being involved in all these projects is fun. But um, the day-to-day life of an engineer, like like in Malaysia as well, it didn't really feel that exciting to me. But what, what did look exciting was actually the startup world. And that's where I started to kind of explore opportunities in uh, entrepreneurship mm-hmm. and building things. And I thought that was really fun and interesting. It's a very Gen Z thing to do. Mm, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, we don't like to be managed. We like to be our own boss. Yeah. <laughs> yes. um, so it's a very social media thing to do as well. So um, yeah, I mean, I, I decided to just take that leap and just try it out. Because at the end of the day, I was 22 at the time uh, when oh, I decided to start the business. And that's, that's when I was I'm like... still lost at 22. <laughs> But yeah, like at that point, I was like, you know what, what the heck? What's the worst that could happen? I remember actually before starting that you joined a, a delivery app, if I'm not mistaken, as a marketing intern, then become marketing executive, if I'm not mistaken. So I guess actually you start to learn a little bit more on marketing from that side, right? Yeah. yeah actually, why marketing? What's, what interest, what got you interested in marketing? So I think this one comes down to the way I, I started seeing businesses overall. Um, if you look at companies like Facebook, TikTok, Google, essentially what they are is just tech, which builds the product and marketing, which scales mm-hmm. the product. Mm-hmm. There is no sale. Well, there is no you know, door-to-door sales. Nobody comes knocking on your door saying, hey, do you want to install this app, TikTok? Like, yeah. Nobody does that. Everything is just marketing. Um, online. It's, yeah, yeah. It's, it's TikTok's uh, viral marketing strategies and stuff. And that's where I saw that um, the whole world is kind of moving towards this kind of marketing-heavy direction. Marketing isn't the same as it was 10 years ago, where yes, exactly. that's yes. what, like, you know, the people who don't make it out of school or like, the people who uh, don't know what to do with their life, they go into marketing. Um, yeah. And honestly, at the start, that's what all my parents and like, my, my relatives were like, oh, you're doing marketing now. You know, oh, it's like, oh, like my priorities or my uh, family is like, huh? You don't recommend that, huh? Like that, man. 
I thought engineering engineering is a good pathway, as I know. Oh yeah, that's true. That's true. Then I I understand what's happening inside. They say, "Wow, I don't want to experience that kind of shit again." Okay, no disrespect to engineers out there. <laughs> you love it. You love it. I'm not. I'm not honored enough to continuing joining that industry. <laughs> Same here. Yeah. Yeah, so after the marketing executive, right, then you started uh, your marketing agency with your partner during pandemic year. So what actually makes you want to start this? Yeah, so um, honestly, I think it was just me, uh, both me and my girlfriend, we were having a chat one day. Um, we were actually doing LDR at the time, so we were still in university. And then we were just having a chat and we were like, hey, you know what, let's just like make some money because like we didn't have money to do like <laughs> dating and stuff so wow. yeah we were like um you know let's start something small uh we started as freelancers so we were just like um reaching out to people seeing if they needed video editing or design services um wow. so we started really small just going around um going to different like uh, well on linkedin as well like looking at different profiles asking people if they needed our kind of services but did and, you have that, that experience before that in terms of uh, um, video editing and it was a fair bit of learning on the job. I did do an internship in marketing the year before. So, um, and I did do some other internships um, within the marketing space, so like video editing. And video has always been like a deep passion of mine. So like, I really enjoy making nice videos and I thought, I just felt it was cool. And also like when I met Ashwin in uni, he was so into LinkedIn before and he was like, oh, I love LinkedIn. I will browse LinkedIn every day. Oh. I will Actually, go who, LinkedIn. who got you excited or who told you about LinkedIn before and why LinkedIn? Oh, okay. So I think the cool thing, like the coolest thing about LinkedIn that I didn't see with other social media apps is I could go to any company and I could see the profiles of pretty much anybody I wanted. So like oh, suddenly so I was able to get into the heads of the CEO of BFM, CEO of Star, see oh. what they're writing about. Um, the CEO of Hiredly, I think everybody knows, uh, yeah. like Derek, he's really yeah. active there. Um, yeah. So I thought that was like interesting. Yeah. <laughs> Nice, interesting. Oh, yeah. So that's how then you got interested in LinkedIn and you wanted to build like social media content through LinkedIn. Yeah, I think to be honest, the social media side of things and the business side of things, it was kind of just me and my girlfriend. We were like, okay, um, so we want to make content, right? Why don't we do like a social media package for people? And then we were posting on Instagram, we were posting on Facebook, and there wasn't really that much reach. Um, whereas mm. on LinkedIn, there was like a tremendous amount of reach. So yeah. like job seekers, uh, employers alike. I guess also it depends on what kind of the contents you want to put. Then the demographic and also the landscape is totally different. So that's why the outreach is not as good as LinkedIn. That's true as well. Yeah. Yeah. So um, I think for us, it was really focused on like business owners and stuff. Again, I guess content in that sense is most of the time about building a brand, right? You can correct me if I'm wrong. Um, so I, I'm just curious, like, how did you, I mean, how did you get your customers in that sense or like your people to actually believe in what you were offering, given that you didn't really have a strong background in it? Yeah. Yeah, I think that's that's a really good question. Um, when we started out, it was really hard. Like um, for every sales appointment that we got, you have no idea how much we prepared for like every single call. We would make very extensive decks. Um, it wouldn't just be about selling to the client. It would be about communicating an entire vision. And like, uh, so we'd pretty much do all the work that the client was going to pay us for 
pretty much before the call even started and we'd even do demo like oh. content for them and like it's basically i think at the end of the day if you're young and if you are just starting out in business you really got to go 110% um in order to get their trust right. yeah if they cannot see your background Mm-hmm. you they can see what you're showing them right now what you bring to the table, you to the table. Yeah. yeah who was the target audience that you were targeting at that time were they like individuals or corporate uh, corporate clients so at the start we were just like whoever wants um our services um it took us a while of like taking on lots of different kinds of clients some were um individuals who were running businesses i think most of them were individual business owners um mm. so at quite a small scale mm. um and you know like startup founders and stuff like that mm. and then over time we found this one niche um which was in like the financial uh, advisory space and then right. that's where we started getting more clients there oh. um and expanding the business at what point did you realize that uh, just the two of you wasn't enough um I mean honestly when we couldn't sleep on like weekdays and like no. working weekends um we definitely tried to um you know run the business as much as possible when it's just with the, just the two of us um but at the same time I guess uh yeah I guess we we continued acquiring clients and slowly scaling and once we were confident that you know it, hiring is really difficult like when you are committing to paying someone a salary you need to it's like getting married you have to fulfill that commitment it's like a marriage it's like oh so us language yes. so yeah i mean um i i think a lot of employees as well like when you when you're from an employee standpoint you don't see it that way as well um but as a startup founder it's it's a big move like when you hire your first employee it's like damn like you you're really committing to someone's salary and you you really want to be responsible in a sense that you need to have enough cash yeah, such sure. that if anything were to happen yes. like a client leaves then you can still continue paying the salary and it's also an investment right when you hire someone yeah yeah it's a big investment as well so um but eventually we did i think we started with some interns so it didn't start with a huge lump sum cash amount yeah um yeah we started with some interns um and honestly i had a um, both Lizzie and I we were actually earning very very little less than minimum wage in Malaysia mm-hmm. um when we were taking on interns because we were prioritizing yeah. growth yeah. over the like our That's earnings profit. profits yeah because right. I mean to be honest at the time we were also still students so mm-hmm. we didn't really need to yeah. earn that much so we were mm-hmm. like okay let's let's just right. yeah <laughs> yeah So was your first intern who started working for you your friend or some how did you hire this person? Yeah, the first the first few interns were all friends. Um <laughs> so they were actually people from uni. So like my juniors in uni who I worked with on some uni projects. Oh. Um yeah. I see. So after that then when is the time whereby you feel like you want to find a full-time person to step in? So I think our first full-timer so the business is 2 years old in total. Um our first full-timer was about 9 months ago. Um so that's when we had quite a few uh, new clients coming in and then we really did need that extra support. Um yeah, so then we decided to just make that investment. Um then for your how do you like 
you mentioned to me before that you use a you use a really dif- you use a very really different approach of hiring when you do this kind of like screenings or interviews. Like, can you share with me what kind of the approach you're using and what kind of the things you are looking to when you find different full timers for uh, for your uh, different yeah, like what makes a good employee? What kind of the shiny profile that you have found is like I'm interested in this person. Cool, cool. So. Um, as an early, well, relatively early stage startup um, or like young business, we also don't have the revenue levels to be able to afford people who are in their 30s, you know, um, we being 23 at the time. It'll also be kind of weird, you know, like when you're hiring someone who's like, the, <laughs> yeah, like seven years older than you or 10 years older than you. Um, so, yeah, we, we definitely were looking at the fresh grad pool um, mm-hmm. or people who are in the first two years of their careers um, and let's see oh yeah and then i think one thing when it came to like a hiring process as well we wanted it to be a hiring process that we would enjoy as a gen z person ourselves Mm -hmm. in order to attract gen z people and one thing that we want is also i guess me and lizzie like we we would we would want hiring processes that don't discriminate um Mm -hmm. we would want hiring processes that you know overall are as fair as possible and put you as even as a ground so it didn't matter which school you came from. It didn't matter which previous big name company you came from. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So so that's where we, I guess we we have this whole blind hiring process where um, the first stage of applications is just people writing in their um, answers to about five or six questions that we ask them. Right. And but you're also all... not somewhere in terms of your job listing. Oh yeah. I mean, it, it was oh, on social media as well. It was on LinkedIn. It was on Hiredly as well. Um, and uh, yeah, basically we would, but that job posting would, mm. first of all, I mean, it would definitely be written in a very Gen Z-esque type. <laughs> so um, prioritizing things like, you know, uh, flexibility mm. at work, um, prioritizing, I guess, ownership of work and then ownership mm. of the mission. Um, yeah. And then the hiring process is, yeah, basically blind exactly. screening. When you hire people or when you're screening people, I guess the question is passion versus skills. What do you prioritize more? Mm, Attitude. So um, I think beyond passion, passion can be developed. Um, I I think a certain amount of passion is definitely important at the start. Um, Skills can definitely be learned. Like I've seen really, we'd never really hired for skills because even ourselves as like, as we were building the business, we picked up everything fairly quickly. And we also kind of, because it's still fairly fresh to us, so we also know how to teach it fairly easily. So the skills didn't really matter that much. The skills didn't really matter that much. So um, we, yeah, basically attitude is really the only thing that matters most. And I do see, like, I think one thing about Gen Z is um, as much as we, like, you know, employers like to call them entitled and, like, um, you know, with all Strawberry. Strawberry Strawberry generation, yeah. Weak, yeah. Um, but I think one thing that one thing about them is that if they have a mission, if they have a goal, um, they can be really driven, and they can have those kinds of like they they die die want to make it succeed. You know, yeah. Uh, yeah. So in that case, uh, if a person without any experience in like content uh, writings or like LinkedIn writing, copywriting, that kind of things, but he has the right attitude and also have some passion to explore more, is it we would like to take him? her in yeah i think um we we have taken in quite a few people because at the end of the day linkedin writing nobody has that skill set 
like it's not really uh um, i mean social media i guess some experience in content writing can help but it is a very different style from pretty much yeah. anything in the market so yeah you're you're recruiting for a job with which doesn't exist before so then you you, you do need to you need to be very flexible really yeah. Open, uh, I see. yeah and sometimes people who have like backgrounds really strong backgrounds in some areas mm. they are also more difficult to teach because they feel like they have their this own is the way yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, but i think we haven't really come across that too much i feel like in our generation most people are quite flexible and quite um like open to learning as well so that's that's what we've seen as well right so you mentioned about attitude right so hiring gen z attitude is important but in your journey of entrepreneurship and working with this uh group of people um we haven't defined what gen z is actually yeah <laughs> <Who are? laughs> okay so they want to say uh, like what kind of uh challenges do you face or how do you manage their expectation yeah i mean being uh, i mean not having all this leadership experience myself before like i'm also fairly new so like yeah. um i think there's a lot of mistakes i've made along the way um and expectation setting and expectation management is so important like i i'm learning this later on um, can you explain what is expectation <laughs> management wow everybody need to listen to this <laughs> so I, i think it's more it's kind of like you know when you're onboarding someone you want to make sure that they know that um i mean it is a fun environment you want to you want to create a comfortable environment where they're open to talk to you about problems and stuff but you don't want to create an environment that's too comfortable where everyone i mean yes we want to try and make everyone feel equal but if it's too equal then there's no respect in the system you have to set your boundaries yeah. <laughs> but how do you set the boundary between you know being overly friendly and creating that space for them it is a very fine line and i'm mm. still trying to figure that out on a day to day basis um but yeah it, it is really a fine line to tread on um so i think certain times when you know when it comes to work we try to make it like work is work like if if this is not meeting the standards then you know it needs to be up they you know it needs to be reviewed or like uh, further action needs to be taken um but you know when it comes to like outside of work if we're just hanging out and stuff it's totally cool to just yeah be be yourself and like yeah how many people do you have in your team right now um currently we're at 12 um including part-timers and some people remote um i think full-timers were at 8 right now wow that's a lot of people actually yeah, that's a lot of people <laughs> in a short span of time it's a, not a small team actually yeah it's, it's quite mid-sized yeah yeah <laughs> yeah actually like among these 12 people and previously they i believe there are definitely some of the people like what is the common thing that you realize when you're interviewing gen z what kind of the good things you realize and what kind of the bad things you don't feel like it shouldn't be appear lah during the interview So um I think in order to for every one person that we hire we've probably interviewed at least 40 or 50 um so we do they are here 40 wow. or 50 40 yeah so we we've, we've done a lot of interviews and a lot of assessments as well um, so some of these are not like interview interviews some of them are like um you know written assessments as well um so so yeah there there are probably thousands who have gone through our systems at wow. this point Um and we do see recurring patterns. I think one thing that really stands out especially in startup environments is you know people who are very clearly self-motivated, self-driven. Uh-huh. Um 
it they have like clear experience where you know they've actually done something and right. had some results it doesn't matter whether it's a project that they worked on for school mm. whether it's an instagram page that they made for themselves mm. like we had one person who grew their own youtube channel to 25000 um and like one person who grew their own personal tiktok like you know um wow. to like oh sorry there was okay no no this was a instagram channel to like 4000 followers right. so it's just you know sh- people i think there are a lot like of gen z showing people showing you a lot of their portfolios that they do yeah but it's portfolios mm. that they create for themselves right even when no one's watching mm. right and it's that like that that commitment to consistency and like creating content on their own which i think it really stands out it's um, a huge thing yeah so anyone who has built their own following who has started their own podcast who has um created i guess started posting on their own pages um, that really shines out in in this kind of space. And I, I think in a lot of spaces, it's getting more and more popular to find people who are right. self-motivated and self-driven. So Gen Z, remember to put your portfolio out there. Start yes. your portfolios and put your portfolios out there. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. And like, don't worry that nobody's watching because um, a, a lot of the times people feel like when they're posting, there's like they're not getting traction from it. But then they feel shy about that. Yeah, they feel shy about it. But it's a portfolio. Like even this podcast. Like if I when I when I met Akan uh, Shukan, oh, it's <laughs> uh, okay. Akan is Akan. fine. <laughs> when I met Akan recently, I also like when I saw his podcast. I was listening to some of the episodes, and it's like, whoa, okay, it's it's a cool portfolio. Like even uh, for any channel that you're building, even if it doesn't have a huge number of um, views and like followers and stuff, it's it's your portfolio. So that's that's what's important. What are some challenges that you have faced uh, in hiring or working with Gen Z? Uh, okay. Wow, sensitive topic. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> wow, Controversial. I mean, employees um, need to shut off here. Uh. No, no offense to my team. <laughs> um, so I, I think like even as a manager, like myself, being a manager to people who are my same, the same age as me or slightly mm. older even, mm. um, having i guess knowing that balance of authority that we talked about earlier like how how much authority should you have and how much should you communicate the vision and be their peer mm-hmm. right in in your leadership style i think that's that's something that i've always struggled with so managing that in i mean indirectly you know you'd have people who um <laughs> so i mean there, there are of course going to be times where people question your authority or they're not sure yeah. um about your direction and where, where you're taking this so yeah. i think at times like that it's it's a lot about just talking to people like being really open about you know how you feel mm. um addressing the conflict and not like hiding away from it mm. and just being really honest mm-hmm. and upfront mm-hmm. um i find that yeah, there, there were a lot of really difficult conversations that I'm not used to having. I'm personally quite a, uh, like, conflict-adverse person. Yeah, um, but business, you cannot avoid conflicts. Yeah, <laughs> so there's bound, to, there's bound to be conflicts. And I think with Gen Z, sometimes, I mean, people have stronger opinions, tend to have stronger opinions. Like, they have more yeah. confidence with their opinions yeah. um, in the generation. Um, I mean, not not to say everybody, but many many do, and that's cool. Like that's actually beneficial um, that you have those strong opinions. But sometimes it just is a bit tricky to manage and to make sure that things are still aligned. Um, so there does need to be a lot of trust. There does need to be a lot of like open communication. 
um, sitting down with an employee and just having mm-hmm. a chat for like two hours over coffee, mm-hmm. trying to explain um, some of the bigger picture things so that they right. understand how that fits in mm-hmm. and how their work contributes to the bigger picture. I think that that makes a big difference. Right. I see. Yeah, I read um I read an article that said that um people in this generation, Gen Z, they um thrive better in a place where uh they um find purpose or meaning. And I think that's maybe not just specific to Gen Z in that sense, but um like you said, seeing the bigger picture, being aligned with your vision or your goals, uh that seems to be very important. Uh yeah. Then actually, I like one of the questions that we usually ask the candidates or like in the interview lah. Can you give me an examples like how do you manage these kind of stakeholders or like in how do you manage your teams lah when conflicts happen? Oh damn! I'm being interviewed now. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I thought this was a podcast. Okay, no. Um, so let's see. How do you manage? Oh, how do you manage stakeholders when it when times of conflict? Either stakeholders or your team, lah. Actually, in this case, it's your team, lah. Right, right. So I think first and foremost, it's important to just like um, hear them out first. So just you know, sit down with them, make sure that you're there with an open ear. You you know, you want to understand their perspective first. Um, and a lot of the times, the conflicts that happen, I find out that the reason is usually because of a perspective misalignment. Mm. Like the employees would have a perspective that comes about yeah. and they're not wrong for it. It's mm. just that it just comes about. That's how they see the the, the situation. Right. And, and then the employer would have another perspective. So we just kind of talk about it um, openly and try to find a middle ground between those two. Um, and eventually kind of... Um, I think certain areas as business mm. owners, you need to make tough decisions that people mm. are going to be unhappy with. Mm. Right. Um, so I think one example of that was uh, our recent decision to try to move towards hybrid mm. um, instead mm. of fully work from home, which has been the situation since the pandemic. Yeah, this definitely will not be happy for everyone. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, it, it definitely is challenging communicating that as well. So um, I think initially we had some challenges with like some people misunderstanding how we wanted to do things or why we were doing things that way. Um, and then just mm-hmm. sharing, I guess, the bigger business picture and like why mm-hmm. we want to go in this direction. Mm-hmm. Um, right. and, I think working with yeah. Gen Z is a lot more like trying to understand uh, the issues and then also try to explain it to them instead of just going top down, you know, I'm your boss, you have to do this. But no, it's like, let's talk this out and... I mean, that's what I learned from you. Oh, I do feel that way. Yeah, I do feel like it is. I mean, I think those deep human conversations that really helps to build trust. And um, I think with this generation, it's it's really not top down anymore. It really needs yeah. to be. Yeah. Um, yeah, we're figuring this out together at the same time. Mm, but yeah. um, this is a vision. This is the direction. And at the end of the day, um, as a leader, you need to call the shots. So there, there are going to be lots of different opinions. Yes. Um, but you need to pick one and then go go with it and just explain. Mm. And I think what I find is most of the time, even if you choose a decision that is unfavorable yeah. for mm. many people, um, as long as you explain and just talk to them and yep. just, um, yeah, eventually they'll understand. Like they'll understand why you made that decision. And that's what's, I think that's what's quite important. So I heard Ash- how Ashwin did it is because he really talked down to people, really values their opinions and really tried to find a middle ground on that. Then after that, but considering from a bigger picture point of view, he still need to make a decision 
favoring for the business lah. Then after that, but before all the talk, before that decision, he did all the talkings that make other people understand better about, make his employee understand about why he made these decisions. So by that things, eventually his employee will understand better about this business, why he made this kind of decision about his thoughts, then they can try to resonate or like try to compromise lah in between because by the end of the day it's more towards business favoring not employees favoring or employers favoring lah. yeah i think it, as employers it's always important for us to remember that i mean especially for young companies which are fairly small um at the end of the day our main responsibility is to make sure that your employees have a paycheck um, at the end of every month for the next couple, for the next few years, you know, um, at least for the next few months, right? So if you are not favoring the business all the time, um, there there are chances that your competition will, you know, catch up. That mm-hmm. you know you wouldn't be as uh, as strong as you would be if you were to make if you were not to make those tough business decisions. Right. So at the end of the day, it's still for their benefit. Like it's still for the benefit of the employees right. that if the yeah. business is sustainable. Right. Um, yeah. Yeah. So that's a that's a tricky thread that we always I have, have to. I have a question because yeah. in our job, uh, we talk to candidates about salary, right? So when it comes to salary package and when it comes to money, how do you entice or how do you manage uh, your employees on this? Ooh. <laughs> like, um, are they very demanding in terms of pay uh, when it comes to work for you yeah I know your vision I understand your uh, purpose and mission I like it I want to uh, work together to achieve this together but how are they like when it comes to uh, paycheck or also like despite of paycheck do you have any other kind of benefits to throw in to manage down the expectation right right Um, I think with like for paycheck, we're fairly competitive in the market. So, um, like at least within the fresh grad, you know, one to two year experience space, um, and then we do try to reward based on like certain KPI parameters that, you know, we we do give recognition and stuff like that. Um, I think outs- monetary, monetary. Oh yeah, monetary compensation and stuff. Um, Love it. <laughs> it's all about money. <laughs> Being realistic. <laughs> Um, but I think there are, I mean, compared to other companies that have been more established and do have bigger clients and stuff like that, um, and many more clients. So we, of course, we cannot um, pay the amount that, you know, corporates would be paying or like, although recently I've been finding a lot of corporates do shortchange your stuff quite a bit, but. Um, <laughs> oh, wow, no. now you know. Oh, <laughs> Um, but but yeah, I mean, we, so we guys do just to... don't just choose big corporate. Look at startups too. <laughs> oh, do do look at startups because I think one thing that we hire, like when we're in the hiring process itself, we do set the expectation that um, for the first year or so of business, um, it may not be the case that we're able to give super high competitive salaries. But what what you do get when you're working at a startup is really the amount of experience and ownership you have over the projects that you're running. And I think most of the people who join us, they, they definitely, I mean, if they wanted money, they can go to places which offer uh, lots, much higher compensation. Um, but I think one of the reasons people still come to come here is for that experience. And um, that, that's also one of the pull factors of startups. That's why I actually personally right. um, started working in a startup mm. to start my career, because mm. really the learning curve is just mm. way, like, I mean, it's high. I, I wouldn't know how it is in corporates. I wouldn't yeah. want to say that corporates don't have much of a learning curve, but mm. I feel like the ownership 
and the ability for you to be like talking to your CEO uh, on a Discord chat like easily, like just within five minutes. Um, that's not something that you get in a, a much larger organization where you just listen to the instructions of the senior management. Yeah. yeah. I have a question and this is mental health related. Um, I mean, I think it's pretty big for people these days at the workplace to think about stress, burnout, how you manage uh, your health. Um, so what are your thoughts um, on how to, in that sense, um, take care of your employees' well-being in that sense? And also, uh, perhaps, uh, because being engaged at work is also part of mental health. Um, so yeah, what are your thoughts? Ooh, what do you mean by being being engaged? Um, employee of... engagement, so being engaged, interested, uh, doing well, thriving at work, enjoying themselves uh, at work, which links to the mental health question. But you can answer the mental health part first. <laughs> <laughs> cool, cool. Um, oh, okay, that's actually quite interesting. I, did, I, did, I actually, that's the first time I've heard of the opposite side of the story because mental health has always been like, you know, depression being negative, like negative. Yeah. And yeah, yeah. So that's, that's actually quite interesting. Um now, I think, I mean, there, there are some benefits, I guess, that we try to encourage. Like, for example, if you are really feeling down or anxious, um, you can take a day off. You can, you know, uh, choose to, um, I mean, you can choose to take it easy and stuff. And we generally try to be very understanding around those kinds of issues. Mm -hmm. um, and I think there are, like, yeah, if you want to just take a holiday and stuff, it's totally cool. We, we, we do try to encourage you to take care of yourselves as well. And then I guess with the whole work from home arrangement, um, you do have that flexibility to just take a few hours off, calm yourself down, focus, um, or relax, do something fun, um, and then continue work later when you're feeling better. Um, yeah, so I guess those are some of the things. But like, yeah, even for myself and like for uh, my co-founder, Lizzie, so sometimes we do like take half a day off um, when like, for example, we're in a really, really difficult negotiation with a uh, with a client or like we have a really tough client uh, and we just feel like totally burnt out <laughs> at the end of it um, then yeah we'd also try to like you know take some time off and yeah recuperate so since you mentioned about the client side so as a gen z boss like when you try to pitch out to different business owners because i know actually lots of our target audience are business owners startup owners they are very experienced people in the either corporate world or in the industry. Like, how do you pitch yourself as a Gen Z person to pitch that I have this kind of services? You can trust me by outsourcing this kind of like. How do you build the trust? Yeah, to to those business owners. Yeah, I think that can be really hard. Um, when we first started out, I think. Overall, we, we did have some early clients who were just genuinely super nice with us. Like they just they were like okay, tell you what, tell you what, I'll trust you guys, you know, um, I'll let you guys try this out. And um, yeah, I think, I think there were some really, really nice gems mm -hmm. um, in terms of the clients that we found early in our business that really motivated us as right. well. Um, and, you know, even while servicing them, they'd give us loads of free advice and like, oh, That's this is nice. how you should do it. Yeah. <laughs> so we were really fortunate in that sense. But um, what about the nasty ones? Or yeah. the demanding ones? <laughs> Um, I think ultimately when it comes to when you're young and you really need to prove yourself, um, oh, sorry, when you're young and you need to convince someone that you are good at what you do, right? Um, 
you need to really show the upfront value that is like do whatever it takes to showcase how good you are at the problem that you're solving for people mm-hmm. so in our case it's social media management mm-hmm. and content creation outsourcing mm-hmm. content um so yeah without like without even having the deal without having receiving any money we'd actually start doing the work beforehand and actually showing them this is the strategy that we propose that you take on this is the con- the kind of content that we recommend you create with a few samples as well mm-hmm. um and this is like the vision that we want to create for you based on like you know how we feel about your brand based on our first call and uh yeah i guess um that's yeah that's that's really important showing that upfront value Actually, I like the things that you say, like showing the upfront value. Because I just now read through all the P uh PowerPoint file, PDF file you sent to me. Then it's like all you need to see his PDF file is all about data, graph, then facts, that kind of thing. So show like mm-hmm. my services will work in your company. Like yeah, that. Right. So, so cool. That's a lot of work. That's a lot of work. When I read through, like oh, then by reading through that, you can learn something. You can get insight. Like eh. If let's say I can invest with it, why don't I can maybe increase awareness, increase outreach? Maybe it will turn into leads or turn into potential sales opportunity, that kind of thing. So, yeah, I think Ashwin really did that way. But also beside that, where despite of like you need to think how you should pitch to other people, how about how you manage your own answers or on concerns? I believe when you do the first pitch or second pitch. Or like even the difficult pitch, you definitely have this kind of like concerns or like this kind of anxiety. Being How do you nervous. manage? Being nervous. How do you manage this kind of things? Yeah, I think even until today, I still feel. I mean, I definitely still feel super anxious about every single sales call I go into. Mm-hmm. I am not a naturally gifted salesperson. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm very much a problem solver, engineer, nerd kind of kid. So like. Yeah, being being confident um, when talking to someone and like when giving a solution, I know, like I can work really hard on the solution. Usually, it's the solution that sells, not me. Um, so yeah, so so I do get the nerves quite a bit. Um, I think what I try to do is just half an hour before the sale, the the call, um, with a client or even with a difficult client, um, just clear my head. Like don't try and do panicky last minute work it's not going to help um just try to relax go around maybe make a coffee just slowly right. drink it while watching the trees outside or you know do you normally have to meet them face to face or was it normally through a video chat or a phone call oh yeah it's all virtual so like wow. um i haven't met gen z is Actually, everything watcher <laughs> <laughs> that's so true um i haven't met Like there, there was there were clients. Pretty much all of my clients. Uh, some of them I've serviced for two years. I met them the first time like three weeks ago. Um, oh, wow! Yeah, in person after working with them for like two years. So, um, yeah, I I feel like oh, but even the Zoom calls, you know, they are still equally intense. I can imagine meeting in person would be more intense though, but I don't have the experience to talk about that. But yeah, the Zoom calls can be pretty intense on their own. Right. Right. Most of your clients based in Malaysia, or you do have clients that is out of the region or out of the country as well. So I think other than our our first few clients were based in Malaysia, the rest of them are all based in Singapore. Um, oh. So we do use LinkedIn to target Singaporean markets um, quite a lot, and um, yeah, LinkedIn LinkedIn does work. <laughs> do you pay for LinkedIn Premium business? 
Yeah, I do. So I, I do pay for Sales Navigator, which is one of the more expensive ones. Oh, right. How much do you pay? Oh my God, it's five thousand ringgit a year. Yes, exactly. Wow, yes. <laughs> very expensive linking. Right. It is, but I um, hope linking can listen to our podcast and give us sponsorship on this. It's not just thank you, uh, whispering. Thank you very much. <laughs> we appreciate it. <laughs> Yeah, give me a cut, please, as well. <laughs> we promo. <laughs> yeah, um, but I mean, ultimately, um, every tool that we invest in, we do think three or four times before we actually make that decision as well. Especially for um, startups, right? Your budget actually will be really tight. It is. It is. Um, so I think I mean with LinkedIn and some of the other like cloud-based tools that we've invested in, I think the the returns on investment can be quite high. So like with LinkedIn being able to filter. Uh, I don't know why I'm promoting them so much. Not sponsored, by the way, guys. But um... hopefully, <laughs> hopefully, you'll be a sponsor. Hello, LinkedIn. <laughs> listen to me. But yeah, like I mean, the tools that they have is uh, is just wild. Like the amount of filtering and yeah, targeting you can do. Yeah. Right. I'm just curious because you have uh, clients based in Malaysia and you also have clients based in Singapore. Like, what are the differences um, between you know working with clients based in Malaysia? Is there is there a huge difference between working with you know Malaysian owners versus you know Singaporean owners? Oh damn, the Malaysian versus Singaporean debate. Wow, <laughs> really dangerous. dangerous. <laughs> um, no, but I mean, jokes aside, I think the Singaporeans that I mean, there there are a lot of stereotypes that we hear in Malaysia about Singaporeans. No offense to the clients, yeah. Um, yeah. but I mean, really, the people that we've met so far aren't i mean you, you know the typical stereotypes are like they're super like critical and yes. they're like very uh performance driven and like yeah. you know not laid back at all um okay i would i would say that not laid back and like the critical aspects can be quite true um but i think overall they're quite understanding they're quite nice people mm. um not too much difference between the people that we've met in malaysia and singapore right. um although i think we've been working with singaporean clients primarily for the last one year so not as much experience with Malaysian clients, but yeah, so far I think it's they're, they're right. I mean we're all the same. Yeah. Nice. Do you plan same. to expand to another country? <laughs> um, we do have some clients who target American markets, and some of oh. them are in America for extended oh. periods, oh, although they're primarily based in Singapore. So I think the U.S. and the U.K. are markets that we we aim to go into. Mm, um, nice. and honestly, nowadays with virtual work and yes. like. Yeah, yeah, with how and LinkedIn is worldwide platform. Yeah. yeah, with LinkedIn and like with as long as you build your brand right, as long as you position yourself right, and you know build those mm. build you know trust with people. Um, yeah, it's really the sky's the limit, and I think that's one thing cool about this generation. Where yeah, that's another thing about like Gen Z as well. We we do have this like acumen towards technology. Mm. We can pick mm. up technology really yeah, quickly. Just like I heard cloud-based platforms, <laughs> LinkedIn. <laughs> yes. And things like, whoa, wait, yeah. Discord. And it's like, whoa, LinkedIn. <laughs> then it's like, wow, really Gen Z thing. Huh? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I think that's kind of cool about this whole world that we've been brought up in, especially post-pandemic, mm. where yes. Yes, everyone's exactly. suddenly okay with virtual. Yes. Like, yeah. before we, this, I we think are all years, forced to get used to virtual. Exactly. I think before this, two years back, if, if a, for example, if I was a client and I was looking for a, a team to service me, mm. I wouldn't consider at all finding someone in Malaysia or finding some, not, no, no offense to Malaysia, but finding someone in another country. Right. Right. Yes, exactly. You need to have, you would be looking for someone who's in the same country that you meet up for. So they have the whole culture back. 
the, yeah. the kind of thing. But actually, this pandemic thing that breaks through the wall and the barrier of that, right? I mean, there are definitely still some barriers of that, but actually, it makes it thinner to believe in other countries able to provide the same services as well. Yeah, 100%. And I think the opportunities for our generation, um, like even if you are a fresh grad who's just starting out yeah. um, and you want to start a business, like the opportunities today are very, very different yes. from the opportunities like in our previous generations. Mm. Like you can be getting clients from all over the world mm. and people are just more trusting online in mm. general now compared to before. Yeah. yeah, remote work is very popular now. You don't need to be in the same office to to do work together yeah that's cool yeah. um i wanted to ask you because you're part of gen z as well what do you value at work or in your job and i know you're a business owner so that makes it more interesting <laughs> yeah what do you value i think um whether i was because i was an employee for a period as well before being a business owner um either way like i think um, what i value hasn't changed too much it's always been about i guess personal growth personal development um, how much am I learning? How's the team as well? Um, I, I don't do well in environments with a lot of politics and drama. Like, um, and I think, yeah, most people also don't really like that too much. <laughs> so, um, yeah, environments which are, you know, communication is open. Um, if you want to have a tough conversation, you can. Um, I think those things make quite a big difference. But I think really the, the number one priority um, for me at my current age is also just to learn as much as I possibly can. So that means even at a business level, um, rather than just building something that works and then sticking to the status quo, um, that means really on a monthly basis, what can we do to grow? What can we do to kind of change things up um, and develop things further? So and, and learn new things as well. So I guess that's where that, that just keeps it interesting, I guess. Nice. I guess that's all about yeah, it today. I, really I think we talked quite a lot of things. A lot. And I really and... enjoyed today's conversation. I think because I get a lot of insights from Ashwin about Zen Z and a lot more positive things. Yeah, like, rather than Zen Z, very demanding. Yeah, demanding, strawberry yeah. generation. But if you look, at it, look into it and you know try to understand them, there are a lot of uh, great things that they can come up with. Uh. Yeah, um, and I guess as a final note on this, on that point, particularly. Um, I feel like as leaders, it's very important for us to learn to adapt as well. Like, mm. although, like, I came from a very conservative background. I came from Sarawak um, in a very small government school as well. So the way mm. I saw my leaders has always been very authoritative. Mm. Um, like, my principal was, like, super, like, <laughs> yeah, very, very authoritative. Mm -hmm. And most of my, um, I guess, the people who I looked up to in life were also very authoritative leaders. But it doesn't really work in this generation as much. Mm. Um, you really do need to be on the ground. And I think as leaders, it's dis like just dismissing the cultures and like just saying that, oh yeah, this generation is like screwed up. And like, I mean, you know, not to that extent, but like, you know, this generation isn't um, good, mm. you know. Um, I think as leaders, it's important to just take a positive stance and then focus on like what's what's good. How can we work together yeah. and still succeed? You know, mm, yeah, yeah. 
I guess it's really all about it today. <laughs> yeah, it's really good. Like we can also understand more from a business point of view, as like Gen Z as a business or business manager, also managing Gen Z. Also, we can understand better how we should deal with Gen Z, and also like how you pitch yourself as a to other people out there as a Gen Z business owner is a really interesting thing that we explore today as well. Like, don't get too nervous. Try to. Back up yourself a little bit more. Then actually, service will sells more than the talks. Data, data, data. Lah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Thank you, Ashwin, for joining us today. If you listen on Spotify, please follow us on Spotify. And if you are listen on Apple Podcast, please rate us five star and leave a comment below. Feel free to follow our Instagram recruiters dash insights. Uh, we will try to upload once per two week, but. We will see what we can do. Yeah, thank you for Ashwin for joining our session today. Hopefully, we will have more collaboration with you in the future. Thank you, Ashwin. Awesome. Thank you so much, guys. Thanks, Ashwin. Thank you. Bye, guys. Bye. 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 Don't awkward. <laughs> you're, you're very awkward now, you know. <laughs> <laughs>